If you're currently podcasting, you probably look at the amount of work that you have to do for each episode and think, this is plenty. This is good. From planning the episodes to managing the guests, promoting and repurposing the content, even if you have the support of a production company or other team members, it can be a lot. And that work can be more than enough if your goals are things like relationship building, engaging your existing audience, or generating content that you can use elsewhere in your promotion channels, or creating content that you can use elsewhere in your business. You'll likely get absolutely everything that you need and more out of your show as long as you maintain a consistent production schedule. If the growth of your audience and your downloads is a serious goal for you and your business, however, then it can be a lot more challenging to do with a single show. Nowhere near impossible, of course, you can grow any show to pretty much any size with the right combination of luck, effort, and promotional activities, but it is more challenging. There are many strategies that you can employ to increase the reach of your show. You can do cross promotions, episode swaps, paid traffic and ads, guest posting, other kinds of blogging, social media outreach, and being a podcast guest yourself. And there's one more if you're feeling up for a challenge and want to dramatically expand your reach. I'm talking about leveling up your whole production effort and going from a single show to a podcast network. Now, if you hear that and think, oh, that's kind of interesting, I'd like to learn more, there's no reason other than restrictions of time, energy, and budget not to at least consider it. If, of course, you hear that and think, oh my goodness, no, why would I want to do that? It is probably an idea best avoided and keep focusing on your one show. But let's say for hypothetical purposes, you might be interested in starting a network of your own. Here are some of the possible benefits that you might be able to see from doing it. The first would be multiple revenue streams and increased sponsor interest in your content or in your library of content. A podcast network allows you to create multiple shows in your topic area, possibly with additional hosts and for slightly different target markets or parts of your own demographic. The expanded library of content can make your platform more appealing to a wider range of advertisers, sponsors, and partnership opportunities, which results in different revenue streams becoming more possible and more profitable, like ads, affiliate promotion, subscriptions, product and merchandise sales, live events, paid communities, and of course, the products and services that your business provides already. Two, you might be able to look at a lot of increased brand visibility if that's one of your key goals. As a podcast network owner, rather than the host of a single show, you have the opportunity to promote your brand products and services across multiple shows and their own social media platforms, all of which can build and feed off each other. And that dramatically multiplies the impact that you get from all of the work that you do. Next, you might be able to find more collaborative opportunities with other experts in your space. Having a network increases the chances that you have to network with other podcasters and expands the pool of appropriate guests that you might be able to connect with, meaning that your connections also grow exponentially. A network makes you a bigger player in the industry and gives you more resources to bring to the table when it comes to co-promotions and collaborations on content, sales, events, and other opportunities as they come up. Fourth is cross-promotion and audience growth. Within a podcast network that you own, you can leverage cross-promotion and help individual shows gain more exposure. Many people primarily find out about new podcasts by hearing them talked about or promoted on those they already listen to. And that kind of audience sharing is built directly into a network, and as the owner, you can even make it a condition of being part of that network. The growth of any one show becomes a benefit to all of them, and the rising tide lifts everybody's boat. Finally, number five is scalability and expansion. A podcast network is scalable, and depending on how you arrange it, you can dramatically multiply your reach with a comparatively modest investment of labor and money. If you have colleagues and connections creating their own shows, and of course seeing ample benefits from their association with your network, you can find that the work you do put in goes a lot further when it comes to the promotion and distribution because the work is going to be shared among many people, all helping to promote something bigger that helps everyone at the same time. Now, I say all of this and it's true, but I do not personally have a podcast network, at least not yet. I'm very happy and very lucky to be good friends with someone who has not one, but two. Tom Fox is the compliance evangelist and a returning guest of the show. 
He was one of our first podcast production clients at One Stone Creative, is the co-creator of the Podcasting for Business Conference, and a dear friend. He joined me to talk about the reality of starting his podcast networks, one of which is based on a topic and the other based more on geography. Here's our conversation. Podcasting to support your business is completely different than podcasting as a business or even a hobby. Whether you need more clients, more attention, or more engagement, you need to maximize the real measurable results in your business as efficiently as possible. The Company Show will bring you the strategies, the tactics, and the expert insight to make it a whole lot easier. Here's your host, Megan Doherty. Thank you, as always, for joining me as a returning guest. My pleasure. So I want to jump right into kind of the main topic idea. You're a big podcast network guy. You may be the podcast network guy. What is, in your opinion, the single greatest thing about having a podcast network? Well, the single greatest thing about having a podcast network is you get to talk to a lot of people and you get to listen to other podcasts in your network, whatever your network's focuses on. So for me, it is just incredibly cool to be able to talk to leading experts in my B2B network and I have a rural podcast network and I get to explore other areas there. And I'm so excited about hearing both of these, but it was the B2B network that came first, the Compliance Podcast Network. I'd love to hear a little bit of the origin story. How did you conceive of it? How did it come to be? And how's it doing now? Sure. So in 2017, I got this bright idea that to create one resource for all legal and regulatory compliance professionals in the podcast space. I was the first podcaster in legal and regulatory space back in 2012. And I thought if we had a network of different organizations, we could pool our resources and we would be the best advertising option. So there are three large organizations in my space. So I went around to all of them and pitched the idea to them and I could get no traction. They were not interested at all. So I said, I'd just do it myself. So I started the Compliance Podcast Network in 2017 on my own. And what was starting it like? So how did it kind of go in the early days? So the big organizations weren't interested, but what about individual other podcasters in the space? So it was extraordinarily difficult to get people to come on an unproven concept back then. Compliance space is largely made up of lawyers who are the most hidebound, traditional, conservative profession there is. So I had to beg, borrow, and usually pay people to come on my network. It was extraordinarily frustrating. People like my sister and my daughter turned me down. So <laughs> it was hard. But that led me down a direction that I'm still on today, which is I just thought, well, I'll create my own network by creating my own podcast. I recognized I would never have 30,000 downloads per month on a compliance-related podcast. But if I had 10 podcasts at 3,000 a month, maybe that way I could do it. So I just started creating multiple podcasts and created the momentum of a network that direction because I had to do so. In 2019, I decided to fully commit to the podcast network and bought all the cool toys. You <laughs> built out this great network. And at the end of the year, I'd made about $10,000. So I thought, well, that was a nice experiment. Maybe we'll move it back to hobby status. And then what happened is country got shut down in March 2020 because of the pandemic. Two months later, literally every product provider in my space called me with the same question, which was, how long to get access to your network? 
And because of the work I'd done in 2019, the answer was 24 hours. It literally was just a plug and play. And so my little world blew up. I have since that time, I had incredible growth and I've tried to consolidate the growth that I sustained back then. And now I think we have 75 different shows in the Compliance Podcast Network. So the moral of that story is when preparation meets opportunity, luck occurs. I love that. And I guess it's probably a lot easier now to get people to join the network than it was back then. (laughs) Surprisingly, it's still a struggle, but the people who do appreciate what I have is they see my network as a distribution network. I have the largest social media following in compliance. And in the compliance space, if a company wants to get out their message of their product or their service, I'm the go-to guy to do it. Yes, you've really created kind of the industry platform for the different advertisers in your space, this highly niche network and audience. You being who you are as a person, and for anyone listening who does not know, Tom and I go way back, so I can make this kind of joke. You like to take things easy and really slowly and not take on too much. So obviously you decided a second podcast network was going to be a good idea more recently. Tell me about the Rural Podcasters Network. Actually, I can't take credit for it because some guys in my little town, I moved to a rural area of West Texas, approached me and said, we'd like to start a local podcast network. And we understand you're the expert on podcast networks. And I said to them, the only thing that pisses me off is you guys thought of it before me. And they had. They were doing a live Facebook show on daily economic issues. They were financial advisors. So they had some experience doing that. There was another individual locally who was doing a live Facebook news show daily. It was essentially live radio, but it was on Facebook. And I was really struck by that model for delivery of news to a small locality or a rural area. We have no local radio. We have no local television. The newspaper is three days a week. So we really have a paucity of news. And he seemed to make a big hit through Facebook of doing a live show. And these guys did a economic minute or five minutes, I guess, daily economic news. So they said, what do we need to do? And so I told them what to do. I think the first thing I said was, well, you need to call Megan Doherty. (laughs) And I think they did that. They did. (laughs) They did. And so what we decided was, this was the summer of 2022, we would start the podcast network with a soft launch in the fall. And after we had 10 shows, we would take it public. And what I wanted to do with the Rural Network, I was very intrigued by this rural news show. And was there a way for small businesses in a rural area to advertise more cheaply and more effectively than internet radio, a TV station some 90 miles away, or a local newspaper? And so that was sort of the business end of things. We opened up, and by January, we had 10 shows, and I started making presentations in my hometown, which is Kerrville, Texas, about why your business needs a podcast. Then we did a workshop on how to start a podcast, and the three of us talked at the workshop. And since that time, we signed up five local businesses or museums. We just signed a museum to shows on the rural network. So it's been a lot of fun. I'm very much intrigued to see if I can make this 
model work because I talked to many rural podcast network founders and they all had something a little bit different, which was an anchor show that went national. So it could be hunting, it could be fishing, it could be golfing, it could be nature, whatever. But that was basically what funded the network. We didn't want to go that route initially, although I think no one would be upset if we went viral. We haven't. But we have over a thousand, I think we have fifteen hundred followers right now for the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network. And we make about two thousand dollars a month. That's awesome. So what really are the differences between a network that is topic-based, like the Compliance Podcast Network, and one that is more geographically based. So what are kind of some of the different considerations you bring to it when you're thinking about the strategy and the growth trajectories for those types of networks? So the strategy for bringing podcasts to the Compliance Podcast Network, with some very notable exceptions, are largely shows that deal with compliance-related issues. But the great thing about podcasting is you are only limited by your imagination. So you can think of it, you can do it. And in the world of podcasts, that means Sherlock Holmes in compliance, Star Trek in compliance, Star Wars in compliance, MCU in compliance, daily compliance, weekly compliance, monthly compliance, compliance in training, compliance in tech, compliance in AI, compliance in sports, and you name. In creativity? Yes. So what I try to do there is be a resource for the compliance professional in whatever form of story they want to consume. So that's one model. In the rural network, what I thought was powerful was social media marketing. At a podcast conference, I met a woman who was from Brooklyn, and she had a block podcast network, literally businesses on the block she lived on. And she had five podcasts and one square block. And her biggest success was a exterminator. You know what? That makes total sense. Yeah. 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 New York City exterminator. I see it. I learned from our friend Jeannie Dietrich to go big, go niche. So niche in the form of the rural podcast network is literally our locality. But I saw a need and an opportunity for local businesses to market through social media locally. So we have a plumber and we've just signed up a computer repair guy, and they're going to talk about what they do. And then we create for them our social media sharing materials, much like One Stone Creative does for those who use their services. And then they can push out evergreen marketing material about their businesses. So when it comes to monetizing or having networks self-fund in a way, it kind of sounds like the more topical one is more sponsor and advertiser funded. And then it's almost more service-based for a geographic site network. Would you say that's accurate or are there kind of other ways you're thinking about the monetization? No, I would say that's a fair assessment, largely because in rural localities, most people are looking for services rather than products. And in the compliance space, it's reversed. Most companies are looking for a tech solution, a tool, a training module, a code of conduct, a something rather than a service, which can be provided by a consulting service, a law firm, Someone like that. Very cool. And I think I know the answer to my final question, but what kind of businesses do you think are really appropriate to, I mean, I know everyone should have a podcast, but like who should start a podcast network? Well, 
Who Should Start a Podcast Network is something actually I've thought a lot about. And once again, we are only limited by our imagination. I'm a lawyer by professional training, so for my professional expertise of legal and regulatory compliance, it makes perfect sense to have a niche in that category. But it also makes perfect sense to have a rural network where you just bring together people in one geographic area. And the best example I can give you is Kerrville will be the epicenter of two upcoming eclipses in October 2023 and April 2024. So for our rural network, we started an eclipse podcast to educate people about the upcoming eclipse. Fun. Yes. With seven episodes in the can, we want to communicator award for excellence in science, simply because we're bringing just science to everyday people. But it's a lot more than that. So the people who should have a network are, think of something that either, in the case of my B2B network, is a common denominator, compliance, or in the rural network, the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network, we're providing a platform for people who can't get their message out in traditional advertising to others in our locality. Amazing. So thank you. That's two really interesting sides of B2B. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Where can people find your networks and you? Uh, You can reach me via email, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I'm Thomas Fox on LinkedIn if you want to go in that direction. The Compliance Podcast Network is www.compliancepodcastnetwork.net. And the Texas Hill Country Podcast Network is www. Texas Hill Country Podcast Network.com. So any of those ways, I'd love to talk to you. You want to start a podcast and come on one of my networks, I'd love to talk to you about that. Or if you just want to talk about podcasting, I'd love to talk to you about that. Amazing. If you're also nerdy, everyone listening, Tom and I co-host a show called Because That's What Heroes Do, where we discuss Star Trek, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and other nerdy properties. So hope to see you there. Hope to see you around. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, everybody. So if you're starting to feel more curious about networks, then topic-based or geographically based is one of the first questions that you should answer for yourself. And that's really going to depend on the type of business that your show is supporting, the type of business that you run now. If your clients all tend to be from one area and most of your other marketing is more geographically based, then creating a network with shows from complementary business owners in your area is going to be the best move for you. You stand to be able to reach a lot more of those people a lot more effectively with a podcast network than you ever can alone. A potential client who needs a lawyer in Chicago, for example, might well be interested in hearing from a local property inspector or healthcare provider as well. And because you're not directly competing, but are working from the same pool of people in your geographic region, it's a win-win scenario on all counts. If your business is more about topic than location, however, and you find that you're getting your clients from absolutely everywhere, then developing a network around your niche, like, and of course, these are just high-level examples, but like writing and publishing, sport and exercise, food and entertainment, whatever your niche is, is going to create a more compelling collection of shows. And just like with a geographic show, when you have a bunch of complimentary podcasts that extend the discussion started on each one and generally attract more people and have more options for people to listen to, they're going to spend more time with your network. So like with most things in podcasting, the only real limit here is your imagination and the resources that you're interested or able to invest in it. If you'd like to talk about this, please go ahead and reach out to Tom. You'll find the links and contact information in the show notes or reach out to me on any contact form on onestonecreative.net. If you like getting expert training and advice from fellow podcasters, industry service providers, and the team at One Stone Creative, 
I'd like to invite you to join our free monthly strategy and networking calls. We always do a deep dive into a particular topic like AI, content matching, social media promotion, or the very latest in podcasting data, followed by Q&A and networking. It's always a great time, and it happens at noon Eastern on the third Thursday of every month. Get the details and register for free at onestonecreative.net slash strategy dash calls. That's O-N-E stonecreative.net slash strategy dash calls. Stay tuned for next week. We're going to be having a conversation with Christy Yoder, the founder and CEO of Smart VAs, all about how to delegate to an external third-party service provider to help you grow your show if that is something that you are looking to do. It's going to be a great call, and I can't wait to talk to you then.